0: Hello and welcome. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Kat.
0: And this is another episode of Been There, Seen That.
1: I feel the need. the need need for for speed speed. welcome back to our 44th episode it is the final episode on the season two of road to the oscars i am so freaking excited to be here because we are talking about my favorite film of the entire year and that is top gun maverick
0: it's interesting to hear you say it's your favorite because I know, and I've said this with a couple of these movies, but I know some people like absolutely love certain nominations and some people can't stand the thought of other nominations. And Top Gun is one of those movies where I think a lot of people are upset that it has a best picture nom, but we originally were going to cover Top Gun Maverick in our summer blockbuster series. And then we kind of had a discussion where... You know, we were talking about how, what are we going to do if we've already covered something that's nominated for a Best Picture? Like, are we still going to do a Road to the Oscars episode? And then we kind of obviously fell off of the summer blockbuster series for scheduling stuff, but we're back. It's here. (laughs) The episode is finally coming, I guess, almost a year in the making now.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. It has almost been a year. I mean, let me just start with listing off some of these records just so, like, we kind of get in the mindset of Top Gun Maverick. First and foremost, it is the fifth film ever that's earned over a billion dollars worldwide without being released in China. The only other films that have ever done this are Pirate's Dead Man's Chest, The Dark Knight, Joker, and No Way Home. And those were all huge releases at the time that they came out. What else? Let's see. It is the 2022 highest grossing global film, and it's the biggest ever Memorial Day weekend release. And it is the 2022 highest grossing domestic film as well, obviously, because it was global. And Black Panther is number two. And it's one of six movies to ever surpass $700 million at the box office for opening weekend.
0: Did it really top 2022? I thought Avatar beat it.
1: No, I mean, it might have just closed out at like the end of it. But yeah, I mean, from from whatever I was reading, I mean, overall, right now, as it stands, Avatar The Way of Water is the second highest grossing movie like of its lifetime and it came out in 2022 and top gun maverick is the 12th highest grossing movie of its lifetime and it also is the only other movie in that list that came out in 2022 which is i mean for those two to make a lifetime like titanic is on there at number three and that's for its lifetime when it came out in 97 you know like it is huge for those two to even be in the top 20.
0: Did you expect Top Gun Maverick to be this big? Like, when they announced the Top Gun sequel, the long-anticipated and awaited sequel, did you think it would be this big? Because I didn't.
1: I didn't think it was going to be this big. But honestly, most of the reason of that was just because, like, Top Gun 1, like, let's be honest, it's mid. It's very mid. And it's, like, it's a great watch. Of course, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, please don't get me wrong in saying that it's mid. But, like, it's, you know, there's not a ton going on. So... Going into like having this idea of Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick, making a sequel of it, you don't expect it to be much bigger than the original Top Gun was. And that was just mostly a cultural sensation. Would you agree?
0: I feel like a lot of people adore Top Gun for a lot of nostalgia, in all honesty. Yeah. But for me personally, like I watched it when I was a kid. So going back and revisiting it and then like finding the love that I found in it the first few times I saw it, like I really enjoyed that. So I think. When Top Gun Maverick came out, I was really excited for it. And I was really excited to go back into that world. But I didn't really know where we were going with the story. And
1: dare Ooh, I say out of water. <laughs> that
0: like, this is one of those rare occurrences where the sequel is better than the movie. And not just that, it takes almost every issue that I have with the first movie. Because like you mentioned, it is flawed. And it mm-hmm. fixes it. And it builds on it. And it just kind of corrects all the mistakes And it gives the bigger budget of, like, what the original one could have had. And it makes it kind of, like, perfect.
1: I completely agree with you. But all that being said, I think... Top Gun had to have come out in the 80s. Like if we were to try and do something like Top Gun today, Top Gun Maverick would not have been set up to be the success that it was because in the 80s, when you're thinking back and you're looking back on movies that came out at that time, the CGI and green screen were not nearly as advanced as they are today. So it's easy to just kind of write things off as green screen. But the the writers and Tom Cruise, like nobody wanted this film to come across cheesy I mean, we talked about this in our Top Gun episode, but I'm just going to repeat it again for those of you who may not have heard it. All of those scenes were shot up in the air, like actually in the air. And you you have these imperfections and you have like, I even saw like when filming this, you know, you can see the camera and some of the the window reflections of the planes up in the air. But they, di- they didn't want to like have to go back because it would look fake. So I think had both of these movies come out present day, it would have been so different because there wouldn't have been that push to have everything actually recorded up in the air.
0: Let me talk to you about your theatrical going experience because they released Top 10 Maverick in a lot (laughs) of different formats. For me personally, I saw it in Dolby. I saw Mm -hmm. it in 4D. And then I saw it in 2D. And 4D, personally, that was the second movie I've done in 4D. I don't understand how they're able to kind of just like casually let audience members into those theaters without like seatbelts or any kind of really safety (laughs) in place, because those things are crazy. And I was holding on for dear life for the majority of this movie, because it just like the chairs whip you around. And obviously, with all the fighter jet sequences and stuff, it like, it was insane, an insane movie going experience. So I don't know if I'd recommend or not. It was it was fun, but brace yourself. But what was your cuz I know you just mentioned you see the cameraman and stuff and obviously I think you're going to see that more likely on a bigger screen.
1: Yeah, um so I saw this movie 4 or 5 times in IMAX. Shout out to the Lincoln Square AMC that has the biggest IMAX screen in North America. Pretty dope. Um but I I actually, I want to talk about the first time that I saw it because I went on opening night. I went to the first screening. uh, It was a completely sold out theater. And they brought out, without telling anybody that they were there, they brought out Danny Ramirez and Glenn Powell. And they just like came out to introduce the movie and like say hi. And I have not seen an audience so interactive with a movie since Avengers Endgame came out. Like people were cheering. Like people were like, sobbing crying and you can you could hear everyone's visceral reactions and like when the film first starts and it does the like the iconic like gong chime everybody just like broke out into applause like it's it's so perfect in the way that it was and i was so Glad that I got to experience it in that way with people who were so into the movie, the way that I'm into the movie. And it wasn't just kind of like a a Friday night, like, oh, what are we going to go see? I guess Top Gun's out, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. It was completely a cinematic experience. Like, this is one of those times where you have to be in the cinema to fully get the experience of the audience participation. And not in the Mm -hmm. annoying way, in the way that everyone's cheering and everyone's going through this and experiencing it it together. Yeah. Everyone's into it. And they're not pulling away because their reactions are genuine with what's going on camera. And it's not, like, the the over-the-top. A lot of the time, specifically with, like, horror movies, when you see those in theaters... People annoying. just go over the top. And I'm like, look, it's scary. We get it. It's not as scary as some people are making it out to be. Like, right. Chill. But Top Gun Maverick, you're right. I think that experiencing it with a full theater. And like you, I saw it opening night, and it was very similar. I mean, obviously, I'm in Florida. I don't really get celebrities visiting my movie theaters, but I did get the popcorn <laughs> bucket, which was there you cool. Go. My own victory. So seeing it opening night really like you mentioned, just kind of filled you with that sense of joy and that nostalgia that you were looking for in it. And it was the perfect environment. And honestly, had my first time seeing it been like a flop and people weren't into it, I don't know if I would have fallen in love with it as much. I still would have loved it. Mm -hmm. But I think that first experience is really what made me fall in love with it. And I did see it. like Obviously, I saw it multiple times. So I think that might have something to do with it.
1: Right. No, I completely agree. And I, I do want to talk about the theatrical release real quick before we actually get into into what the film's about. But this was actually slated to be a Paramount Plus release. And Tom Cruise, as being one of the higher-billed producers on the film, fought for this to have its theatrical release and pushed for it to not be released on streaming for... I mean, it just came out on streaming this year, and it, it's been out since, what, last summer? Like, he he really pushed for it to have a theatrical release. And I think that was well-deserved. I think it absolutely had to do with the success of the film. It it just absolutely blew up in theaters. And I, I was just watching it. I didn't get all the way through it, but I was just rewatching it on my computer for, uh, the, for the podcast. But it is nowhere near the experience. Experience that you get when you go see it on a big screen especially oh my god especially the IMAX screens like it it was shot to be seen that way
0: I completely agree with that and I think that another big thing with it was have you seen that clip going around where I think it was it's Steven Spielberg pulled Tom Cruise aside and was like you saved movie theaters you saved cinema yes
1: yeah I have seen that that's so special
0: now listen Tom Cruise has made some questionable statements and buffooneries of himself in the public (laughs) eye. I'm not gonna deny that. Yeah. What he's done with Top Gun Maverick and kind of just, even with the Mission Impossible movies, I mean, those consistently gross pretty highly. So Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise in general, as an actor that I would say has kind of helped keep a lot of audience members coming to the theaters and Top Gun Maverick's a prime example of that. We're coming back from the COVID era where a a lot of movies have gotten really used to just streaming with on a service in two to three months and Mm -hmm. it really reduces the amount of time an audience is willing to let a movie sit in theaters top gun maverick was the first one i think to kind of start questioning that again and now we're seeing it again with avatar i mean avatar is not coming to digital until now and it's been out for like three or four months now
1: yeah and i mean top gun was in theaters i think almost like they kept doing releases of it like and of course it's like being released Once again, because they're doing it, it got nominated for Best Picture. So like this film has consistently been in theaters since last summer. And that's, that's quite a feat.
0: Well, let's talk about the plot a little bit, shall we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Before we do that, I'm going to give you your spoiler warning. As always, we are going to be going to this plot in major detail. So if you are not wanting that spoiled for you and have not seen top gun maverick yet first of all i think sean and i can both agree that you are definitely missing out you should absolutely see this film as soon as you possibly can stop the podcast go run and watch it it's on paramount Preferably Plus <laughs>
0: before they take it out of theaters again
1: yeah i know go go see it in theaters like begging you begging you but anyway um other than that uh let's get started
0: so you kind of already mentioned it but obviously we gotta mention that this movie starts exactly like the first one. And I think exactly. that that is the exact right note to hit with the nostalgia viewers that are going there. And they just want it. like right away. They're pulled mm-hmm. in. I was sold literally from the first scene. I was sold and I was like, you know what? This is great. I, Regardless yeah. of the rest of the movie, the experience and feelings I have right now just watching the opening sequence is enough to make me say that this was a worthy movie trip.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, we're opening on the same font, the same text. They actually did change like two words of the text just to uh, modernize it because I think originally it said men, and then they changed it to men and women because since Top Gun came out, there are women Navy fighter pilots. Um, so Yay, now they change it yay progression um but one thing that i read that i love is that you know we're getting that same sequence of the planes taking off and it's like the sun is rising and it's gorgeous um and it's it's very similar to the the original top gun but one thing i read was that kenny Loggins re-recorded danger zone as like it it was like a new updated re-record of it and tom cruise fought for the original danger zone to come into play, and they, they he was like, "No, we're not using a re-record. We're doing this exactly how it was." And I think that was like a, a decision that well played off.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think it would have had the same nostalgia if it sounded different than the original. The fact that it was almost right. the exact same opening is exactly why I was engrossed with it, and. I mean right away we're taken back to maverick it's 30 years later here we are and he's still up to shenanigans he still refuses to conform right
1: (laughs) and we're opening up on him in uh, some kind of like navy hangar i don't know if he's like (laughs) i guess he's like living there i don't know whatever um he's like there with his plane and making his breakfast and you you see this like what i love that this movie does is it pays perfect homage to the first top gun without knocking you over the head with it in the very beginning we're seeing photos of goose and we're seeing photos of young maverick and like kind of calling back to those original top gun days but then you're also seeing photos of rooster who you don't know is rooster yet but you know you're you're seeing these new characters getting tied in through photos so you kind of take like a photo memory photo memory, walk down memory lane type, you know what I mean? Like you're doing it through just looking at these pictures he has up on his board.
0: Right, and then you have the shot of him on the motorcycle and he's going into work and he works in like a testing facility for the Navy now where they're basically testing these advanced jets and what they can Mm -hmm. withstand. And we open and, you know, like I mentioned, he's up to no good. They are (laughs) planning to shut down his program and his program was, what exactly was his program doing?
1: They were trying to create like the fastest fighter jet on the planet. So they're trying to push this fighter jet that is beautifully aerodynamic and gorgeous and sleek. It's, it's an absolutely gorgeous plane. But they're, they're trying to push it up to Mach 10 and they didn't meet Mach 10 by the deadline. Um, and he was like, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're supposed to be testing Mach 9 today. Like 9 was the deadline. So they're they're pulling the funding because they want to put it into more unmanned research.
0: Gotcha. See, I definitely didn't pick that up. I was like, I knew he needed to get to Mach 10, but I didn't understand like the context of it or anything. But it is a good sequence and it's fun to watch. And obviously, because, you know, nothing goes smoothly. The guy in charge who is coming to shut it down shows up like right as Maverick's taking off.
1: He's like taxiing out like as he's pulling in. Like, it's great. It's a great shot.
0: And Maverick, of course, doesn't stop, even though he's ordered to, and he ends up hitting Mach 10, and it's a really intense sequence, but it's also beautiful. I think the use of sound is really good in this scene because it goes back and forth between the loudness of the jets and the engines, and then it just cuts to silence because, essentially, he's, like, right on the brink of
1: breaking the atmosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's going so like he goes hypersonic like that's how that's how fast he's going is at Mach 10 and i think well there's two things about this sequence that i love is that when it when this film first came out it was circulating in like the quote unquote film community that this was just called the mock sequence because it was so like iconic the second that it came out and it's beautifully shot like you're seeing him fly around the world at, at like daybreak and the the colors are gorgeous and he's you can even see the curvature of of the chemtrail like as he's flying around. like that's how fast he's going. You can see the curve of the earth. like it's beautiful. Um, and the other thing about this scene that <laughs> is really funny is that um, when they had one take to get this the liftoff shot in and as he's flying over General Kane, <laughs> you know how the li- the roof lifts off real quick? Yeah. that wasn't planned. It just happened. And they oh. just happened to get it on, like, that one shot they were able to take.
0: That's funny. Wow. Isn't that great? <laughs> I definitely thought that was part of the the bit. Oh, my God.
1: No, yeah. Just kind of everything kind of fell into place for that shot. So gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous opening.
0: And obviously, Maverick hits Mach 10 because, you know, mm-hmm. he's the hero. Everything works out for him. But then he decides to push it. And it ends up basically resulting in the jet crashing because it blows up from being overheated. And... This is one of my favorite, like, it has nothing to do with the plot, but my favorite moments (laughs) of the movie is Maverick is seen stumbling into this diner in the middle of nowhere, and he just chugs this, like, glass of water and asks where he is, and this little boy goes, "Eh."
1: (laughs) Every single time I see that scene, it cracks me up. It's just because the little boy is so, like, awestruck. It's such a funny It's
0: the delivery of the line.
1: Oh, my God. I you know, another thing about this film that works really, really well is I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a comedy. You know, it's if you were to categorize it, it's drama. But like there are so many comedic lines in this film that make it just so fun and they come out of nowhere.
0: Well, it's the delivery too. like that's all on the actors, like the way that they're saying it. And I mean, Specifically, I'm thinking of one of Tom Cruise's lines later. Just his delivery on some of his one-liners is perfect, and it really captures and brings that comedic sense to what is, towards the end, a very intense story.
1: Right. I mean, now that you're mentioning Tom Cruise, let's jump, like, way ahead into where Cyclone is about to, like, kick him out of the program and ground him forever. And he's like, you know, I can... What's the quote? I have it literally right here. I just watched this scene. He says, what do I do, risk the lives of my pilots and potentially the success of this mission or risk my career by appointing you team leader? And he goes, sir. (laughs) And then um, Warlock is like, (laughs) uh, he's like, I think that was rhetorical math. (laughs) Like, there's just these funny moments in it that keep it really lighthearted. And they always come at the perfect time.
0: I completely agree. And going back, I mean, obviously Maverick is in a lot of trouble when he gets back Mm-hmm. and they want to get rid of him but they need him and you want to know why because we're going back going to, to top, top gun, gun.
1: I gotta love it and he's so like, that's basically
0: know, his punishment i mean and it's not a punishment but like he's confused by it
1: right well he's not a teacher he wants to fly and the, he's like you know i i came over here to ground your ass or whatever um and despite your best efforts you refuse to die i love that that line was great um but yeah they send him back to top gun and they basically pulled him back because they have a sanctioned uranium enrichment facility that's in an undesignated country. We kind of like don't, this is again, taking it out of space, taking it out of time. You're, you're not really like centering this down to a certain war. It's kind of ambiguous, but basically this uranium enrichment facility violates the NATO treaty So the United States is backing up their allies over wherever this is happening. And they're going to go and try and destroy this uranium plant before it becomes functional. So that's what the mission is, and that's what they're calling Mav back to do is he's training these new fighter pilots to go on and destroy this. like It's like this impossible mission.
0: And this is kind of where we get introduced to the group of candidates that are going to be going after spots on this mission. And it's a really fun sequence getting to know them because we go with Maverick to the bar. And he runs into an old flame Penny who's played by Jennifer Connelly, another 80s icon, which I want to ask you, what were your thoughts on a new love interest?
1: Okay, this is one of those things that I think was debated highly for this film. I really liked it, truthfully. And I'll tell you why. Because I think it would have fed into the unrealistic standards. If if he were to still be with Charlie, I don't think it would have been as realistic, you know, and... I really liked the callback to Penny and how she's just kind of this one off line that they say in Top Gun, like, oh yeah, you took out an admiral's daughter, Penny Benjamin, and took her out for a spin one night and on like one of his old jets. And I think it's just more realistic kind of calling that back. And they had said, I don't remember who said it, but someone said it in an interview that like it kind of would have been weird if she was like this teenage fling, flay- like fling that he had so they made this relationship very on again off again and i think it i think it works really well what do you think
0: i think one of my biggest issues with the first top gun was that they didn't flesh out the romance subplot enough which is what they fixed with this one I feel Mm -hmm. like his relationship with Charlie is very for show in the first one. Like they never really flesh it out. They don't really show them do much apart from when they're just having like these intimate moments. Whereas Mm -hmm. with Penny, like you're seeing them talk to each other and you're seeing their vibe together. And then you kind of see them start to have a relationship. I mean, from the beginning, she welcomes him back to town and she owns the bar that he goes to, which going back to the plot, that's where he meets all the candidates. Um, They're all kind of there playing pool and you get a little bit of each of them as they kind of bicker and banter with each other. And that's also where you get the callback to Great Balls of Fire with Rooster, who's Goose's son, and we're now introduced to him. And it's a really fun callback, which kind of sets Maverick back. Like Maverick gets emotional at this moment, but it cuts right to the next day and we are on the first day of school.
1: Yes. And I mean, and that scene, um, there was a lot of actors advocating for their characters in this and one of them was Miles Teller and he first of all he chose Bradley's call sign he chose it to be rooster because it's in the same family name as goose and then he also chose like he insisted that he was going to learn how to play great balls of fire instead of having like a finger double playing on the piano and that whole moment is so beautiful because again you're doing the subtle montage of goose you know you're you're having this really this really subtle callback to the the older Top Gun.
0: Well, and that's one of the things that I think the sequel does so well is it sprinkles the right amount of nostalgia and connects just the right amount of the first one while also giving you like new characters to like and new storylines to follow.
1: Exactly. I think all the new characters that they introduce are so perfect. And hold on, can we just talk about Miles Teller for a second and how he is the absolute perfect son of Goose? Like, They look so alike.
0: See, it's funny because I'm not usually the biggest Miles Teller fan. I I couldn't tell you. I think, honestly, it was the Fantastic Four remake that I was like, what are we doing here? Especially like following the Divergent flop. I was like, come on. You had potential here. But I I agree with you. I do think he was the right choice for this role.
1: And Glenn Powell was actually up against him for that role. And the only reason that Hangman is such a big character in this is because they loved how much, like how... Great, Glenn Powell was in the auditions. They were like, we have to oh. flesh out a character for him.
0: Yeah, he's perfect as Hangman. I wouldn't change that at all. I think Glenn Powell plays a very particular type of character, like extremely well, based on what yes. I've seen him in. And it is the douchebag role, and that's Hangman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's and I, I think Hangman being a character is also great because it kind of mirrors the like Maverick Iceman thing with, except with Bradley, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, my favorite of the new recruits is Phoenix and Bob. Those are like my two favorite, and they're they're together when they're in their jet. But I like them together, and I think that when they start off, Hangman is more of an asshole. Like I think he warms up to them, and they start to really work as a team towards the end of the movie. And that's part of the the journey of them. I mean, their characters don't get along in the beginning, and then they learn that you know it's not about who's the best; it's about what you can do together
1: exactly i think that there's a lot of teamwork going on here
0: but it's the first day of school and they didn't know this but maverick is their teacher and they actually had this moment where hangman and his buddy threw out maverick from the bar because penny ordered them it's a funny moment and a bit that she does but they threw him out onto the beach and now he's in class and it's really funny because you see their reactions when they see that he's the teacher and mm-hmm. i feel like his entrance right after he's like do you guys know this manual back and forth and they're like of course we do and then he just throws it out and he goes so do your enemies i like yeah, that was just I- so well done and his delivery so funny. of that whole bit with the class he just i always underestimate tom cruise and i always i always forget how good he is
1: Yeah, he's so good. And that that whole the writing of that whole sequence was also awesome. Like just introducing him in after he had this really embarrassed, like they throw him out of the bar, you know, he gets thrown out of the bar by his students. and He comes in and they're like, who's going to teach us? We're the best of the best. And, you know. It's this guy that they literally threw out at the bar the day before.
0: But that brings us right into the training. There's a lot of tension between Rooster and Maverick. And you learn later on that Maverick had pulled Rooster's papers when he wanted to enlist in the Navy. And that kind of set his entire career path back four years. So he holds that against Maverick as he should. That was like not cool. But then you learn that Maverick still kind of has this emotional baggage and guilt that he feels over Goose's passing from the first movie. So I think giving the characters a little bit more of like an emotional depth really opened up the possibilities for some some really good character moments that the first one was lacking.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you're automatically introduced to this, this animosity that Rooster has towards Maverick. And I think what makes that relationship so great is that Maverick has nothing but love for Rooster. And he's like, I just see my, my best friend in this kid. And you know, he he almost like treats Rooster like a son because he's kind of like the son he never had, you know, Rooster even points out to him at one point, he's like, you have uh, no wife, you have no kids, it's easy for you to do this.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some intense moments, specifically between Rooster and Maverick, that they, they know how to play with the emotional people in the theater. But sure. let's talk about this training, because one of my favorite things was a couple weeks prior to Top Gun, all of the Dolby movies came with, like, an advanced clip from Top Gun Maverick, and it was the training sequence, this first one. It's one of the best scenes in the movie.
1: Yeah, this, oh my god, so are you talking about the first dogfight?
0: Yeah, the dogfight training.
1: Oh, my God. All of these dogfights are so good and really what makes the movie as a whole. Like, these action sequences. And let's be honest. One of the things that's flawed about the first Top Gun is that it's just dogfight after dogfight after dogfight. And, like, there's nothing, there's no story going on underneath it. But the dogfight is what makes Top Gun Top Gun. And, I mean, that first part where he he's like, good morning, aviators, this is your captain speaking. I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. Every time I go to work, I'm like, good morning, aviators, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> um, You're living your but,
0: Top Gun fantasy. A little
1: bit. Um. <laughs> but that, that first... Dogfight where they're like, oh, he must be somewhere behind us, and Mav like pulls up sideways between the two planes and goes right up. So good.
0: Just this entire bit. I mean, again, we're getting these character moments with the new people, and you're seeing them bicker and banter and not watch out for each other. And it's resulting. Like they're all trying to one-up each other, and it's resulting in them getting picked off by Maverick. And as punishment, they're all doing push-ups.
1: hmm And it's it's so funny. And like you can see rooster really take it hard on himself because of that like personal vendetta he has against maverick and like he he does more push-ups than they're telling him to do and hondo tells him you know man stop like you're good you're good you you did your quota you're good and he won't stop because he's punishing himself for letting mav win
0: well there's also these bits where he tries to one-up maverick and maverick just literally knocks him right back down so i think it's kind of this like moment of respect your elders a little bit Again, yeah. like he's totally valid in his feelings, but I think doing some of the stuff that he does just to be like pissy with Maverick is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he's a kid, you know, and
0: specifically in this dog training sequence, I mean, let's not forget when he almost crashes the jet to try and be like I'm I'm more ballsy than you.
1: Well, yeah, they do that cobra move, and then, you know, Mav ends up getting in trouble for it, because at the end of the day, he is his teacher. But, you know, who do you blame that on, the student or the teacher? Because Maverick, I mean, they're they're both pushing that, that floor up to, like, or that deck up to, what is it? I think it's, like, 700 feet before they finally pull up. And I thought it was, like,
0: 300. Like, it's close.
1: Yeah, they, they go real close in this, like, cobra move, and... At what point should he have pulled out as a teacher? I think that was a great thing to use because it shows that personal relationship between the two of them without saying a lot of words.
0: You're right. But then Maverick also has his other intentions with it. Because when he's in the office getting disciplined for it, he's like, well, the mission that we're running, they're going to have to be flying lower than that. So what's wrong with that? And that's another one of those funny moments where they're just like, you do not break the deck without asking for my approval first. And then as they're disciplining him, like at the end of it all, he literally hands them a paper and they're like, what's this? And he's like, request for permission to lower the deck. And like,
1: yeah, again, (laughs) there's
0: just these beats of comedy that really do land well, but that's kind of it for the first training in dogfights. Then we start to expand again on the romance plot. We have this random scene where him and Penny, I keep wanting to say Jennifer Conley, but Penny is the character's name, go like sailing which Mm -hmm. let me tell you in the 4D movie theater having a bunch of water blasters when you're like on an ocean scene not fun I can't even imagine what Avatar was like in a 4D movie theater
1: oh god yeah I don't do 4D
0: (laughs) but again they're kind of actually giving the romantic plot a a full storyline like you're seeing these moments where Penny's talking about why she doesn't want to be in a relationship and he's talking about how he's changed like it's so much more than what they gave him and Charlie in the first one. And I think that was one of people's biggest problems with specifically the character of Charlie, but the entire romance in Top Gun 1 just mm-hmm. wasn't fleshed out. Like there's no reason for you to be rooting for them because they barely know each other. Like we barely know them. Whereas with this, and again, with the sailing scene, you're getting a moment with them where you're like, oh, you know what? They are kind of cute and they ride home together and she drops him off and they keep it like, they keep it civil. They're taking things slow.
1: Yeah. I, I really liked the, the relationship that kind of blossoms between the two of them. Even, even to the point where like that, that first scene where you see them being romantic together, I feel like it's a very adult romance. Does that make sense? It like, It doesn't feel like it's, like, this very sexy scene where, you know, the whole thing in Top Gun when he's, like, with Charlie is that she's – that all those scenes are, like, super hot and heavy and you have that (laughs) – the music.
0: I mean, let's talk about, like, the age. I mean, it makes sense for him to be more just, like – let's get to it when he's younger and when he's in the academy but now that he's an adult like yeah he's looking to settle down kind of take things slow and i do like seeing that i really do think that it's a good on-screen romance i think they had pretty good chemistry together i think Um, they had great
1: chemistry yeah for sure
0: it's kind of again it's still like a side plot don't get me wrong about that but it's just fleshed out better and i think that's why you're able to kind of accept it and they put it into the plot like Overall, you want to talk about what Top Gun Maverick does, right? It's the plot. They give them a mission to actually be working towards. Whereas in Top Gun, you're literally just watching them get into these dogfights.
1: Right. Like there's, there's a whole thing. And like you said, and like at the end of Top Gun, you do have that war, but it's not something that they're like building up to. It's something that just kind of like happens and they get, they get assigned You know, a mission right out of Top Gun, but here you have this like underlying mission the entire time, and it's it's really it's it's really a great device to kind of like push everything along and get you interested and like actually care about the entire story.
0: Yeah, like there are stakes. Yeah. Well, going forward, the next training exercise is on the time and they all struggle with that one because they have to go through a very specific, very narrow pathway in a certain amount of time. And you watch them try and maneuver it, but they just aren't able to get the time right. Rooster Mm -hmm. specifically is notoriously slow. Like he's known by his peers as being the guy that is too slow. And when they're going through all this, like they keep having to dip out because someone won't be going fast enough or someone gets in their way or they maneuver. Take your pick. But Rooster specifically through this training is the only one to successfully make it to the target. But he's a minute late. So like right. at what point is that? Would you want him on your team if he's slowing you down like that? And he tries to argue. He's like, Oh, well, I'm the only one that got there alive. And they're like, Yeah, but by the time you got there, there would have been someone on you. And that kind of brings out this moment. They're in the classroom going back and forth. They're yelling at each other. And he is just like, Well, I'm the only one that got there. And they're like, Oh, he says, It's not the the plane,
1: sir. It's the pilot. And Mav goes, exactly.
0: Exactly. And then that's kind of like, the overall goal here he was pushing him to get to this and like you mentioned maverick has nothing but love for rooster and this is kind of one of those moments where you see him pushing his buttons but it's because he knows he can do better and and figure out his true potential
1: so after this we move into one of like the most heartbreaking scenes and it's it's heartwarming and it's heartbreaking and you know they they got val kilmer to come back for this film And for those of you who may not know, Val Kilmer has throat cancer and can no longer talk. And having him play this, like, renowned Navy admiral towards the end, and he still has this relationship, and he's fighting for Maverick, and he's he's rooting for Maverick. And he says, at one point, he says, the Navy needs Maverick, the kid needs Maverick, that's why I fought for you, that's why you're still here. And they have this really beautiful heart-to-heart moment, because... Going back to the first Top Gun, you know, they're they're headbutting the whole time. It's Iceman versus Maverick. Like who's who's more bold-headed throughout that whole thing and who who really pushes it to the limit? And he never likes him because he's like, you know, you're not safe. You're not safe. But they have this beautiful moment, the two of them together. And one of the really cool things that I didn't know until I was I was reading up on this film was that when he speaks and he says those lines that I just read to you to Maverick. That was a computer-generated audio voice that was built off of clips of his own voice to mimic his voice because he can't talk.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I did no background research on that, I'm going to be honest. I was just excited <laughs> that he was in the movie. I I knew he had, like, throat cancer, and I knew that, but I didn't even question it. I was like, he's on my screen. I don't care what you had to do.
1: Right. As long but as isn't it's not amazing? an actual, like,
0: CGI person, I'm here for it.
1: Exactly. I just think it's so incredible that they were able to recreate his voice in that way.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, bringing back one of the original characters... That is the nostalgia tick mark that you really do have to check off if you want, like, a sequel done right. You need to at mm-hmm. least bring back someone besides the main character. Otherwise, what's the point? Like, all these characters that you grew in. I mean, with Iceman specifically, he didn't have a good relationship with him. So seeing that they're finally in a good place where they respect each other, it's it's heartwarming to see. That was a good use of that word.
1: Absolutely. So after that, we go into um, <laughs> one of the- the most iconic scenes in like cinema it's like a remake of that scene it's fantastic do you want to take over
0: you can go for it
1: (laughs) love this scene this is what we're all here for and i love that they recreated this we're doing a football scene which is reminiscent of the volleyball scene from the original top gun and it's amazing it's like golden hour the sun is like shining on everyone everyone's like all sweaty and oiled up and like super muscular it's great they're just having a fun time out there and and mav was like oh i did this to like build teamwork and a little behind the scenes on this one tom cruise watched back the scene after they had all like recorded it he said it's not good enough we have to do it again so all the guys had to go back into the gym every day and like (laughs) Start working out again just to to re-record the scene. And honestly, I don't know what it looked like before, but the payoff is amazing. Like the scene is perfect.
0: That's too funny. And <laughs> it is really one of those moments where you start to see everyone kind of actually enjoy each other's presence. Like they're not going at each other. They're just having a good time. And that's what he mentions when they question mm-hmm. why he's doing that. They're like, every second counts. Why aren't you guys in training? He's like, You asked me to give you a team that's I'm your team you and all team, of a sudden yeah. they're all celebrating each other and this is where we kind of get into I wouldn't even say it's like a third act this doesn't really follow the three act structure but this is kind of where we start to get closer towards the mission and the stakes kind of heat up a little bit
1: yeah it's like a really nice happy moment before everything kind of like goes a shit <laughs> I mean, Um, go back
0: to Iceman, which like, hello. I don't know if you knew where that was going, but there was a moment in the trailer where I was like, someone dies. And so as soon as they had Iceman there and they're like, oh, his cancer is back, like as a character, I was like, oh, I know whose funeral we're going to later. And here we are. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I cried in the theaters when I first watched this scene.
1: Oh, I cried so hard. And this comes right after another super emotional moment where they're like, you know, the mission gets moved up another week and they go and they're like pushing. I think they moved the the hard deck down to 100 feet or something like that. And this is where they're really testing G's here. And Coyote goes into G-lock and like just barely gets saved like before crashing into the ground. And as soon as you like breathe a sigh of relief after that, Phoenix and Bob over on, on the other shoulder of Mav go get hit in a bird strike and they go down. And, you know, luckily they're able to eject right before their plane crashes. But, I mean, you get that moment. Then you're, like, slammed into, okay, well, now Iceman's dead. And and you're, like, crying and you're at his funeral. And then right after that, they pull Mav off the mission and he gets permanently grounded. It's like, boom, 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 one after another.
0: And part of the reason they do that is because they're like, you're being too realistic. We need these kids to believe that they can finish this mission. And to date, none of them have made it through the course and Maverick's like grilling them about it. And this kind of inspires him. So of course, the next morning, as Maverick does, he proves his point and he hijacks one of the jets and flies the course in 30 seconds or 15 seconds less Mm -hmm. than what was expected and what he was asking them to do. And naturally, everyone when they first see it is like, that's impossible. And he does it honestly effortlessly I mean obviously he went through a lot of body stress and you can see it Tom Cruise does a really great job and I think part of that is because they were actually flying these jets but yeah
1: I don't know if he... they were hitting 10 G's the way he was but they were no. definitely hitting G's in that jet
0: <laughs> yeah and he does a great job he goes right through the course and all of a sudden everyone's like okay I guess that this course is doable and that gives them enough belief in Maverick to do the mission to actually like bring him back and not as a teacher they're bringing him on the mission now
1: right and that's where we get that quote that I brought in earlier where he's <laughs> where he's like um you know do I risk my car- career by appointing you team leader and the next shot you see is him and his white navy what are those called that that's like their formals yeah
0: yeah the formal and it's him going to penny so I mean you know that something serious is going on because he hasn't been wearing any formal wear yet.
1: Right, so he goes up to Penny, and I I love how this scene was entirely, like, overscored with music, and there's no music. I mean, there's no music. There's no dialogue here. But you know what's going on. Show, don't tell, baby. Like, that's what, <laughs> that's what this whole scene is. Like, they're showing us he's going off. Like, he's been selected as team leader, and he's going into this mission that is notoriously dangerous, and he might not be making it back. And I don't know about you, but I did not, like, totally cut out the idea of Maverick dying in this film. Like, he he could have died.
0: Oh, I fully was expecting him to kind of pass the baton on. I thought where they were going was they were going to ultimately kill him off and have Rooster kind of live on in, like, the spirit of his father and Maverick. Me too. Yeah, going into this final battle, there really was no expectation for me. I didn't know who was coming back. I knew someone had a very very high probability of not making it because i mean that would be too easy
1: i mean that's what they set you up for and what's so wonderful about films like this is when you don't have any faith that any character is going to come out of that last scene alive they have you on edge and you know it we're talking through it right now obviously they all do make it out and everybody's okay in the end but like they set you up to make you believe that okay, we might be losing somebody. Because, you know, there's films where it's like, I don't know, when you go to see the Harry Potter movies, right? When they were first coming out, you're like, okay, there's seven books. Like, <laughs> we're not losing Harry in, like, the first one. You know, he he goes in to retrieve the Sorcerer's Stone and you're like, well, he's not going to die. I mean, I feel like this
0: is kind of one of those moments, again, where we're looking at perspective of the first one. And now, I feel like in the first one, apart from Goose... And his death, I mean, that was an accidental, like that wasn't even related to fighting. I don't really think that the dogfights in the first Top Gun had high stakes. And so I think them giving the high stakes for it is really what kind of made this the better one. Again, they're improving on everything they fumbled with the first Top Gun because they actually had all these years to make sure they got it right.
1: Completely agree. And this this whole scene where we're on the aircraft carrier, like in the middle of the ocean is just I almost want to describe it as romantic, because these shots are so beautiful, and the scoring is so beautiful, and it's just—it's like a very romantic moment, not in like a sensual way. Does that make sense? Like romantic, it's as like an adjective? intimate
0: with the audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very down to earth, and like you can feel the the heaviness of it, but it's beautiful. But these, these shots of the, oh my God, that one shot where the two fighter jets lower down and he walks in between the two of them and it lifts up. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: And he's voicing over talking about the mission because this is them yeah. getting ready to go on the mission. And the big twist amongst the candidates that made it that are going on this mission with him, Rooster's the big one because Rooster, technically speaking, I mean, he was still really behind schedule and he's still known as flying slow. Mm -hmm. But in place, like, Rooster's replacing Hangman, who's the fast guy who's basically been getting the closest to all of these targets. And this is kind of that turning point where Hangman has to take a step back. Up until now, he's been nothing but a self-centered douchebag. And I think sidelining him humbled his character, especially now that we're actually going on the mission. Like, there's stakes involved, and people might not be coming back from this. So they're gearing up on this mission, and then they take off and just... The entire sequence of the mission is gorgeous to watch.
1: I mean, but, I mean this whole mission is the last hour of the film, but it goes by like the speed of light. Like it keeps you on edge the entire time.
0: So Let's talk about the mission. I mean, everything runs smoothly for the most part from what they trained it on. Mm -hmm. And it's intense to watch, but everyone's cruising smoothly. Rooster's falling behind. And then last minute, he's finally speeding up. And he's like, oh, this is, you know, he finds his character drive, I guess. And as they're leaving, they think they're in the clear. They start getting pursued. And Mm -hmm. Maverick ends up getting shot out of the sky. And you see just this explosion and all of the command is insisting that everyone return home and they don't stop for Maverick. And we cut to Maverick who's now, I mean, I thought he was dead in that moment. Dude, now I now he's he laying was dead. in snow and just there. And in that moment, I was like, are we like in a dream state or what? A jet pulls up and is about to shoot him down, but then the jet gets shot down and you see- Oh,
1: helicopter that MI-24.
0: Yeah, and you see Rooster shoot it down and it just is this huge explosion. And then naturally Maverick locks eyes with Rooster realizing it's Rooster and then Rooster gets shot. Uh And that kind of just leaves... Like I thought the movie was over. Following the way that Top Gun 1 went in their final battle, I thought it was just going to be done after they flew away and we were walking away with a casualty, but none the wiser. Nope, we still got this whole escape sequence where rooster and maverick have to basically get back to base after being stranded
1: right exactly and so i i love that part when the two of them met up and mav is so mad at rooster for coming back he's like what are you doing like you think they're gonna go hug and mav just bodies him <laughs> you
0: yeah, know and what was the exact quote i'm trying to think of it, it he was like oh i God. wasn't thinking and then he's like why aren't you thinking and he's like because that's what you told, that's me, what to you do. told me to do <laughs> And then it's just silent. Like again, there's these perfect comedic bits and lines that are just delivered so well. But mm-hmm. essentially they have to work together now. And they break into the base, steal the jet from the first movie, the same model. It's like an anti-f fourteen. Uh I think it's F eighteen. It's something. I don't know, Jets, I'll be honest. <laughs> But it's Maverick's prized possession, and they end up stealing it. Surprisingly, it works. And they're going through this whole sequence of sneaking out. They cause havoc on the base and fly away. But as they're flying away, of course, you know, they're being pursued for a second. And just when you think they're about to get shot down, Hangman, who is on standby, shoots the enemies down. And it's this victorious moment. They fly back to base. They do the flyby from the first movie, which yep. who doesn't love that moment? I Again, the perfect amount of nostalgia and callbacks are in this movie that it right. just comes together very well. And it made a worthy sequel that, in my opinion, surpasses the original.
1: I agree. And I think one of the moments that was really special, and I mean, it's it's very, very sad. But when, when they're, they kind of have that all hope is lost moment where it's, they're getting trailed by the su 57 yeah the su 57 and you know they they're going up in the air and oh my god when he's like rooster eject rooster eject and the eject button isn't working and you're like oh my god this is like he cannot die how his dad died like he cannot like it's a jammed ejector seat like it's not going off so you're were like, you stressed I was so stressed. I was like, he's either going to hit the canopy or they're both going down. Like, there's no way. And then Hangman comes out of nowhere and just like, boom, boom. And the the SU-57 goes down. Or, the yeah, SU-57. Oh, my God. So good. So good. I can just picture you sitting in the theater,
0: like, wiping your tears away and applauding.
1: I was (laughs) sobbing. My whole theater was, like, cheering, especially because Glenn Powell was, like, in the audience. So that was, like, very cool. (laughs) His heroic like, moment. Them.
0: Everyone had to show their love.
1: Right. And so I agree. I mean, they go back to base and everything's great. And then Rooster and Mav have this like beautiful hug that again is very reminiscent of the Iceman Mav hug from the first one where they all kind of mm-hmm. like make amends. But yeah, then Mav and Rooster are working on a Mustang and then Penny and her daughter are there, which means like Mav made it work with Penny and he's kind of like settling down and And you get the
0: money shot of them taking the jet for a ride.
1: Oh, the money shot, man. Gorgeous. And then credits roll.
0: And that is Top Gun Maverick. Basically, worthy of a wait.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 36 years in the making, dude. Crazy. I I definitely... (laughs) This is so funny because when we were planning this episode... I was like, dude, we're going to need more than an hour. Like, <laughs> When we first did the first Top Gun episode, we were like, we're going to need so long because we love this movie. But I think we both get so excited and talk so fast through these films <laughs> that it's just oh, yeah. like shot by.
0: And there's just not that many layers to the plot. I mean, there's the training, there's the mm-hmm. mission, and there's the victory. Like exactly. It's a very simple plot to follow. And I mean, even getting to where we are now, just based on that, like, I think that's good, and that will bring me to my question of the week, which I haven't asked you person to person in two weeks now. What is your rating for Top Gun: Maverick?
1: I am going to add this to a very rare rank of the been there, seen that films. This is what I was trying to find out earlier. I think it is joining the likes of Spencer, Coda, and if I'm not mistaken top gun one and i'm gonna give this a perfect 10 out of 10 dude
0: i mean i'm not surprised that that's what you're giving it i am slightly lower still very high i'm giving it a nine i do think that just in general i don't think i would ever give a military propaganda film a full ten, just because i can't (laughs) in good conscience say that (laughs) but top gun maverick is a fun time i'm not denying that at all so nine stars for me across the board i saw it in theaters so many times i get why some people aren't it's a for fun it ride. this is the closest thing that i will actually like fully enjoy the closest thing to a war movie
1: yeah i i wouldn't even consider these war movies they're more training movies than they are war movies but like dude it's just to me all the elements really come together the story is near flawless the music is beautiful the cinematography is Gorgeous, like having the actors have their own cameras and operate their own cameras up in the air is just like a stunning feat, you know? Like having them up there. What was it? I think it was uh it was either Tom Cruise or Miles Teller that said out of the six new pilots, three of them were throwing up every day up in those planes. Oh god. Yeah, like I mean, they they really pushed it to the limit here. And when you go to that kind of like stakes for quality. And for authenticity, I mean, I think these these films just kill it. And I know Tom Cruise, again, controversial guy there. But like this film would not be what it is without him. Like just point blank. He advocated for what Top Gun is and what Top Gun Maverick should be. And I think without his input in this and having him be one of the higher rated producers on this film, it would not have turned out to be the success that it was.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I I'm willing to give him the pass on that. I will give him big credit, especially just like Steven Spielberg said. He his insistence with this movie is one of the things that got people to come back to movie theaters. So eternally grateful for that.
1: And like we had said earlier and kind of wrapping up our our summer blockbuster series there, I, I promise we'll go back to Avengers eventually. But this film was the inspiration for our summer blockbuster series in that it brought back what a summer blockbuster is and it brought back that nostalgic feeling that a film can give you when it comes out in a certain summer like i am always gonna remember this film as like summer 2022 and i think it really brought back that genre that was kind of dying out because in an age of streaming services and ready readily accessible films, you're not seeing the same kind of summer like quote unquote summer blockbusters that we got with like Jaws and we got with E.T. and things that were literally blockbusters like people were lining up outside of the theaters to watch them. And I mean, almost every time I saw I, I told you I saw this in an IMAX. Theater. I think there's like I think it's a four to five hundred seat theater. I saw it four to five times it was filled each time and that is so special
0: yeah i do think that it really did a good job at just establishing itself as a very very big movie just for the last year in general which brings me to my final question which i don't actually want your opinion unless you insist on giving it to me but i was thinking (laughs) i would talk to you about this after the oscars because i have thoughts but i just do you want to talk now or later about do you think top gun maverick deserves a best picture
1: i mean we asked it for pretty much everything else so let's let's go for it i definitely think that it deserves a nomination for best picture i know that's a little controversial here and there i just think that with the expectations of this film it blew it out of the water so to say and i I mean just it is a well-rounded film all in all personally i enjoyed it beginning to end every single time that i've watched it i'm a huge fan of top gun i think it lived up to what what top gun wanted to be you know and what it what it kind of stands for the first time a military propaganda aside, but <laughs> i think i think it made for a great film and i think it deserves best picture when you're looking at a film that like makes you fall in love with film again it makes you want to be a part of something bigger all the elements come together perfectly and whether or not it's going to win best picture i think that's a discussion for another time um but what do you think on the deserving of the best picture nomination
0: it's interesting had this come out if covid hadn't happened like in a world without covid had this been nominated for a best picture i don't know if i'd agree with it okay but that's only because this movie I think is so detrimental in looking at why the movie industry is still running because there really was a downward trend in theater going and Top Gun's insistence and refusal to stream Mm -hmm. for months, months. This is like the longest movie it's taken for a really long time. I think that truly is like Steven Spielberg said, I'll say one of the reasons I won't say the reason, but one of the reasons I think that, a lot of movie theaters are still opening. It was giving us this blockbuster that wasn't a Marvel movie Mm -hmm. that would lull us over until we had another blockbuster, Avatar, to hopefully pick up some of the slack that we've been missing for the past two years. So admittedly, we live in a world where that is the case. So I think it being nominated is worthy. Let's talk next time after we hear who wins, and I'll give you my thoughts on that because if Top Gun Maverick wins... I'm going to have some things to say. And if it doesn't (laughs) win, I'm also going to have some things to say. But I'll go ahead and wrap up there. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and be sure to follow us on Instagram at BTST Podcast. And if you want to let us know what you thought about Top Gun Maverick, any of the other Best Picture nominees, or any of the movies you've been checking out lately, go ahead and send us a message at btstpodcast at gmail.com.
1: Be sure to subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode and give us a rating on Spotify if you wouldn't mind. That helps us out a lot. Don't forget that we are still running our giveaway. This is our last episode to promote our giveaway on. So we have a $25 AMC gift card. If you share any of our posts and tag us in it so we're able to see it, or if you subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Um, Other than that, We will see you guys next time for our Oscars recap episode.
0: I look forward to it, and I'm very excited to see the winners. I will probably be texting you throughout it all, but we will get our reactions and thoughts out to you guys soon. So until then, I'm Sean. And I'm Kat. And this has been another episode of Been There, Seen That. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye!